This is a lecture on thought dynamics. What is thought? Thought is energy, a type of radiated energy. This radiated thought energy goes up to make the mental principles of mankind. And these thoughts and their energies are projected into space by mental activity. Just as the energy is projected from the sun or the heat from a fire is projected into the space of a room, thought processes radiate in the same way. The light from a star travels through space and reaches the earth, but by the time it does so, the star itself may have died, and what we are looking at is the radiated light from the star, but not the star itself. Likewise, a fire heating a room might have been turned off, but the heat emitted from it is still present and warming the room. Heat and light are types of radiation, and we see from this that radiation from objects or states may persist in the atmosphere after those objects of states have disappeared or ceased to be. The same can be said for the radiation of thought. The radiation given off by thoughts long persist after the thoughts themselves have ceased to be. Now if it happens that they have been very strong thoughts, well endowed with pranic energy, they may persist for a very long time. The stronger the force or energy imparted to a thought, the longer they persist and this is why we find certain atmospheres associated with certain places. For example, religious centres, hospitals, places of work. All these places have an associated atmosphere, reflecting the activities of the people working within them or passing through them. And these atmospheres we may be quite sensitive to. They might affect us in different ways. We might find them depressing or uplifting. The vibrations we are experiencing are really the result of the persistent emanations of thought vibrations of the people who have been in the place. They are, in a sense, the same thing as the light from the star or the heat from the fire. The strong thoughts of numbers of people who have passed through a place or have been in certain places leave behind these particles of thought radiation which persist in the atmosphere for a greater or lesser period of time depending upon the degree of intensity with which the thoughts were first put out. That's what creates the atmosphere in places and buildings. It's very interesting and quite important for us to know about this, for we are all thinking thoughts in our daily lives. 
and we make many thousands of thought emanations during the course of a day. Most of them are charged with very little energy and consequently they don't persist in the atmosphere for any length of time. But on those occasions when we concentrate, when we bring our willpower to bear upon our thoughts, when we focus our attention onto something quite specific, we do tend to charge our thoughts with a great deal of pranic energy. And then whatever the image that was contained in our thoughts or whatever emotion was generated, that image or emotions will persist for a fair amount of time in the atmosphere around us or in the place that we were in. There is a two-edged thing here because not only do thoughts persist in the atmosphere, in the place where they were generated, but in a very subtle way they tend to impregnate our own aura. Different types of thought can be equated to different colours in the aura. In this way the thoughts that persist in our aura for any reason tend to make a brown colour so anyone with any psychic sight can see and be able to tell about certain thought habits. We have to be very aware of the thoughts that we habitually think and certainly about the amount of energy with which we endow them. We also have to be aware of thought forms penetrating our aura. We may not necessarily want these energies, these thoughts. They might be malevolent, they might be negative, they might be depressing. And we must learn to differentiate between what are our thoughts and what are thoughts from other sources. There's a saying that thoughts are a living thing and that is very true for as far as we can see they are radiated energy. Energy as far as we're concerned is life. Without any energy associated with intelligence there wouldn't be any consciousness as we know it and therefore it's true to say that thoughts as the product of intelligence and energy are living things and like all living things they are part of a chain of cause and effect to which we are inextricably bound up. So we have to remember that when we are thinking thoughts with a definite purpose in mind strongly charged thoughts are going to leave behind in the atmosphere a residue which could potentially tinge the atmosphere and affect those of a sensitive nature that follow on behind us. This is very true where thoughts are collective thoughts associated with large numbers of people. We saw that when we are thinking about the atmosphere of a certain type of place where emotions are connected with large numbers of people they can leave a residue or an atmosphere. If we can consider the phenomenon of absent healing we can see how this principle can be made to work for us and for the benefit of humanity. 
A group of people sitting together and concentrating their thoughts on health, peace and say love, compassion can deliberately radiate those thoughts in a certain direction. Unlike the radiation associated with normal thoughts, they are not dropping close but are being directed by the will of the sender. These radiations can travel over immense distances and they always invariably reach their target. Strong thoughts that are sent out to a person inevitably reach that person. The law of attraction takes care of that. But of course the stronger the dynamic, the stronger the image held in the mind of the sender and the stronger the amount of pranic energy with which the thought is endowed. So it is that even with the thoughts that we don't intentionally direct, there is a certain amount of energy that will persist. When we are wise and understand these things, we learn how to use these processes and we learn about the laws that govern them for our own betterment and progress and for the betterment of humanity and the earth. Positive thinking as we know it today turns our mind towards improving our physical lot. For example, the emphasis may be on how to great, make a great deal of money by being a positive person. But how it leads to self-betterment is of course questionable if we are not altruistic in our thinking. How to improve peace and harmony by using positive thinking is for me a much more interesting proposition and it is eminently possible within the reach of everyone, everyone who has progressed at least to understand that these laws and processes exist. We have to understand the forces at work here. They are basically the same forces that created the universe, created ourselves, indeed the whole system in which we live. If, for example, we examine the idea of, of the atom as a basic unit from which the universe is created, we find that there is a point at which the solid atom becomes a type of electrical energy with all the qualities that one would expect from positivity and negativity. These two opposing poles cause a reaction, a result. Between them there is a flow of force or energy and this energy results in the creation of a substance which builds the myriad forms from which the universe is created. Positivity and negativity in the atom combines in an infinite number of ways. What makes atoms do this? What makes some atoms combine together to create one kind of substance whilst others combine to create different sorts of substances? Why is it there seems to be some intelligence at work here? Why do we have such a perfection of combinations making these intricate and different substances? One would think that if this were the result of chance, there would be a lack of balance in the universe. We see in nature at least a rather fine balance which points, when we think about it, to an intelligence that underlies all this. 
We have to postulate that there is an underlying intelligence in our universe that has been responsible for the creation of the universe and everything in it, including ourselves. The point here is that without thought, in the first instance, there can be no creation. If one thinks about it, there is thought behind the creation of every object For no one can make anything unless they have first an image or idea of what they wish to make. However imperfect that image, maybe there has first of all to be a creation, a creation in the mind of the creator or the thought processes before it can take form in the outer visible world. So we see quite clearly that the better we make our mental image, the better the chance of us being able to create a more perfect object. As a race of people, we are learning to create better thought images, something intrinsically entwined with our own evolution. For the more evolved we are, the more evolved we become, the better thought images we should create. As primitive beings, we lived in an instinctive world of passion, totally bound up in the physical aspects of existence. Successive incarnations have created the civilization that we now have, through the refinement of thoughts, and we are now at a stage where we should be thinking not just of ourselves as individuals, but also as part of an interconnected humanity concerned with working through the higher aspects of thought, compassion, equality, harmony. We are fully aware of the strata within our society. Some of this strata is inevitable because there is a world of difference between people. There are those whose mental imagery is restricted, who think in a small and restricted way. On the other hand, there are people whose vision is expansive, whose imagery is powerful. When people have ideas of such a lofty nature, the effect or their effect on the life and times in which they live can be considerable. The aim is of course to create a humanity which can create powerful images and project them. Those images need to be progressive and uplifting. To put it in a nutshell, if you think restrictively and negatively, these thoughts will shape your life, your physical life, in that way. The opposite is true for those who think enriched, uplifted thoughts. Whatever a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That simply stated is thought dynamics. Although a large amount of our thought processes are largely automatic, we are still responsible for them and we can at any time in our lives take over this process and subject it to our will. Thought begins with the ability to concentrate or make images. People who can't concentrate, whose minds are constantly flitting from one thing to another, rarely achieve anything worthwhile. 
We know that people who are able to concentrate on one thing are often able to achieve a very great deal. Although the danger for these people is that they can become obsessed and fixed. The idea is to strive for this freedom and fluidity in our lives. We should work towards a state where we are quite prepared to believe in every possibility. In fact, there are no limits and ensure that we don't become a prisoner to any idea or dogma. Let us return to the specifics of thought dynamics and look at some examples of the power of thought. Priests, shaman, wise people of ancient times knew of the power of thought dynamics, for this is not something that belongs to the psychologists of the 21st century. The science of thought and the projection of thought images is as old as man. In fact, far older, as we have said, for the science of thought is, is, is responsible for the creation of man and the earliest sages and prophets knew this. They understood thought dynamics in the Atlantean civilization, and later in ancient Egypt it was used to create certain images to endow those images with a great deal of power and energy and to project thoughts into them, creating elemental-type beings, beings with no real life or soul of their own, but forms created by a very powerful thought energy and left suspended in the atmosphere. Thought forms of such a nature that anyone sensitive enough coming into contact with these would feel their radiations. And just as we have said earlier, one can feel radiations around a place or building. The priests used these thought forms, it said, to protect their temples. And we have all heard of the stories of, of ancient tombs, uh, the tombs of the pharaohs, being cursed, perhaps guarded by these thought forms. The priests perhaps knew that in later times people would try and open the tombs and take the treasure and wealth from them. If they were able to see that far ahead and see the materiality of man's thinking, then they were indeed wise. These days, of course, many people laugh at the idea of thought dynamics even those ideas around mental and spiritual healing. For there are many today who decry anything they can't see or touch. Unfortunately, these people are a long way behind in their mental and spiritual evolution. Amongst many people alive today, the science of thought dynamics is very real, for many are sensitive to thought radiation. They are able to feel the thoughts of others. Indeed, they are also able to respond. And this is the start, the hallmark of telepathy, something associated with evolved beings, human or otherwise. 
The teachings of many wisdom traditions mention that the main theme for the next 2,000 years, the incoming Aquarian age, is the marriage of individual and group consciousness. And of course this idea fits well with the idea of the emergence of the telepathic human being. How this would occur, how this would unfold, is perhaps the subject for future lectures.